Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Oliver Purcell. And I'm Timothy Plain. Each week we discuss a different filmmaking topic and give you our point of view, not as experts, but as two filmmakers just trying to figure it out for ourselves. A quick thing before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Cameron. Cameron Caves for editing the episode last week. Yeah, totally. I listened to most of it. Um, it sounded great. It sounded like a modern podcast. Um, you know, like <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think each of us have a different editing style. Right. Like you're more. You tend to do things in like just bigger chunks and look at things as like um, segments, and then I'm like a little bit more on Cameron's side where I'm chopping out pauses and like things in between some of the sentences to make them a little bit more consolidated but then he is just like he went crazy with the edit and it was yeah i mean like you said more modern podcast style. yeah which i don't know if i really necessarily hated um but yeah i, I don't know i thought it was interesting it just it felt yeah, like really fast-paced um but <laughs> yeah. uh i don't know i wonder what the audience thinks you guys should get back to us and let us know if you like that style better um, and then if Cameron wants to, he can just do all our podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah. All right. What's on your mind? What's on my mind? Oh my gosh. Well, um, last week I was, you know, starting to edit the rage, but I had this other project that I had to work on that the actors reel that I've been working on that I shot and I, I also have to edit. So it was sort of frustrating because I would put like maybe an hour into the rage and then I'd put like, you know, four hours into the editing reel. And then, you know, it's just like, it's not like the editing, the, the actor's reel is, it's not bad or anything. I mean, you know, I shot it by myself with two other crew members. So obviously the production value is not the same as the, the, as the rage, you know? Um, but it's like, yeah, it's like, I want to work on my passion project, but I'm like stuck editing this other thing. Uh, and then, yeah, that's just, it's the difference between work and play. Right? Yeah. But it's funny. Cause like, I shouldn't really be complaining at all. Cause usually my work is like, you know, dumb <laughs> corporate videos that aren't narrative at all. I mean, they're not dumb. Right. They're just corporate videos and, uh, they're not like a story. And I mean, these, while, while this is a real, it's still like little stories. So it's, it's still like right. fun to, to edit, you know? That just goes to show that you're always going to complain, no matter how good things get. Yeah, I got to edit this feature that I didn't even direct. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, this sucks. Getting paid to do it and everything. Jeez. Um, <laughs> now I'd be like, at least I'm getting paid to do it. But I mean, oh, I could be doing so many other cool things. Right, exactly. Um, but it was funny. Yesterday, I was going to do the same kind of routine. And then I just started, just got stuck editing The Rage. And I edited The Rage all day yesterday. And that was really fun because... You know, I got through all the syncing and then I put together the first probably, uh, I don't know, like 30 seconds to a minute of it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's super rough, but it's fun just to see it come together and, and like seeing it work and not necessarily working in the way I saw it in, this, in my head, but like working in a way that's very close to that. So it's cool. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And then what else? Um well, we're both probably going to talk about this a little bit, but, uh, you know, well, let me jump in. I'm going to, cause I want to set okay, this up. You set it up. Last, <laughs> last week on the podcast, you made a declarative statement. I am not working on a short. Oh, like I'm not working. No more shorts. Right. Okay. And then, and then like a day or two later, this uh, filmmaker reached out to us and was saying, Hey, let's meet up and let's talk about working on a project together. Um, like maybe we can all collaborate on a short film. And I was waiting to see how Ulrich would would respond, <laughs> and he was open to it. Like, what's what's up with that? Um, well, a lot, I guess. Um, you know, well, first off, the the filmmaker that we're talking to is a nice guy, and you know, I thought his work was strong. So I feel like, you know. Not necessarily. I didn't like sign in blood that I'm gonna actually work on a short <laughs> film, but like just the idea no, of no. of meeting and like all bringing a short film script that we've written uh, together and like just talking about them and seeing which one we like the best and which one we want to direct. I just thought, or which one we we'd want to make as a collective. I just thought that was a be an interesting situation and just see how it goes, you know. And um, I probably would. I mean, obviously, I want to direct as much as I can, but I mean there would be like less stress involved if I was just helping out on something rather than, you know, pushing it forward. Um, 
But on the other hand, it's like I can't I can't spend any money on, on any more short films or anything. So whatever it would be, it it it'd literally have to be the three of us, um, and and like no and like maybe some actors, but like no money passing around, you know. Um, so I don't know, but I mean, I feel like the I'm more interested in it because for the creative aspect of like coming up with short film ideas, and you know dissecting them together you know i think that's what interests me most about it and then if something else happens from it then that's great but if it doesn't then that's also great too you know like that's sort of where i'm looking at it yeah exactly like i i think i said this to you guys like let's just get together and see what happens we haven't made any promises about what we're gonna do we're just gonna get together share some ideas and go from there and what was your reaction to this whole thing um, kind of the same thing where it's like, ah, oh, I don't, I mean, well, I was pretty clear about where I was drawing my lines. Cause like you, like I'm, I'm going to be spending so much money on the spirit machine this year just to get it finished. And I just don't have unlimited funds and I don't want to spend a bunch of money on a short film. And I've already kind of been in that camp for a while. I mean, the only reason I did over my dead body was because I knew I could do it for, very little money i didn't put a bunch of money into it so i don't want to go spend a bunch of money on a short film i feel like my goal is to do a feature film and right now it's good because i have the commercial job supplementing my directing so i'm able to still direct without having to spend my money that's kind of like been my goal for like the last few years is like stop spending my money but still be able to direct. yeah and so far it's, it's working well, out. that's a so, great goal <laughs> I wrote to you guys and I said, um, I'm not really interested in writing or producing. I'm more interested in directing and I can't put any money into it. Like if you guys are cool with that, like let's meet up and talk. So right. I'm open. I'm open to producing and, and writing only, but I, again, like I'm, I've made clear goals for myself about what I want and what I want right now is to direct more. So it, it seems to me like that would just be a distraction if I was uh, producing or writing on a short. And I don't, I just don't want to distract myself. I want to keep focused. Right. Well, this might be the kind of thing where, you know, if we, whatever we made, it would be like one person would be directing, one person would be shooting and the other person would be holding a boom pole, you know, like it, it would be really <laughs> right. like gritty, you know, um, so it doesn't sound like you're into for that as much, but I don't know. I mean, I think we should just meet and see what happens. You never know. We might yeah, all get excited I'm, about something. I'm open. I'm definitely open. And I, like you, I'm, I'm excited just like to get together and, and talk about some ideas and see if anything gels. And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. We won't know until we do it. And I, I think you have to stay open to possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of staying open to possibilities, um, I've been getting a little bit of feedback on the alternate recently. And, um, you know, one, one person mentioned to me, like, what have you thought about flipping the genders of your lead characters? And I was like, well, yeah, I have actually, like, I don't know if we ever talked about it, but basically back when I first wrote it, I was always excited and still excited about the idea of having strong female leads in my movies. Mm -hmm. And I was, I asked myself the question, like, do, could I write this? from you know as a with a woman in the lead role and then i kind of answered no because the the character is very personal to me and like kind of loosely based off of me in real life or closely based off of me in real life so it just sort of felt like oh, i i can't really do that for this story for various reasons and then um I was talking to my wife and my a couple of friends of mine on the way back from our trip about it and they all basically said that they're like why don't you flip the genders and then we all talked about it and uh you know they they gave their opinions and I was like you know it's probably not a bad idea and like whereas I couldn't do it 2 years ago like I think I could do it now so mm-hmm. i i don't know i'm 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 interested in exploring it and seeing if it'll work you know it definitely will change a lot of the movie you know and they're, they're my wife or she was trying to say it's not that big of a change it's not that big of a change it's like well it's a huge change because her motivations and drive is going to be completely different than his and i I think it makes it more interesting because of various reasons but i don't know what what do you think of that idea having read it you know and everything um well i mean your premise is is seems very male-based kind of like uh, it seems to me that the 
the feeling of wanting something that somebody else has, um, kind of having a hard time settling in and, and being happy. I don't know. I don't feel like I talk to a lot of women that feel that way. So I feel like you would have to change a lot to make it work. I think it would be totally believable that there would be a woman that's a filmmaker and totally believable that um, she would find something in this alternate universe that she would really want to go after. But to go to the lengths of stealing somebody else's life, I mean, you just look at the news. You don't see a lot of female criminals that are like robbing people and, <laughs> and taking from them. Right. I think that to me, that's, it's, it's a male thing. Right. Not saying that it can't work. I just think you have to go, you probably have to go a little uh, more out of the way to set up why the why's behind well, it. Cause I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to buy it as easily. Well, this isn't really a spoiler so much just because I think it's actually in my general pitch, but you know, like part of it is that in the real world she doesn't have a child but in the in the alternate world she does and so mm-hmm. especially if you made her like late 30s even early 40s uh that could definitely be a humongous motivation because you know if you go into a universe where you had the child at the time that you actually want to have your child and that didn't work out in the other world i mean and then it just treated you like it's your you know, their mom and they love you and you get that immediate feeling of, of being a parent without actually going through childbirth and all that stuff. I mean, I think that could be pretty strong, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I would have to look into it, but I, my other counter would be that like, there are a lot of, you know, a career focused and driven women these days. I mean, you know, I, maybe there always have been, but it seems like, you know, you see a lot more households where the man, the man is the stay at home dad, and the woman is the the bread earner, you know. Um, so it, that that would definitely be an aspect of it too, because like you know, in in one world he would just be like you know dicking around, and then the other world he would be like this really wonderful stay at home dad who's just got everything on lock, you know. Um, so I don't know. It's I think it's an interesting concept. Uh, I also worry that maybe you know since. She, 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 the character is quite malicious at later on. Maybe people would like look at it as like sexist or something, but I think that's, well, that's sort of what, that would be my worry is that it can't. Do you feel like you know women well enough to be able to write it from a woman's point of view yeah. about wants and needs that it wouldn't feel sexist? Oh, my, it feels like it's it in some ways it feels like it's not really your story to tell well in this particular instance right well my wife would be a big part of the writing process you know and she always is but she would definitely help me with the authenticity part of it yeah that's good but i mean i don't think that's necessarily true because i mean you know you look at uh like there are best uh female heroines and they're not written by women you know like uh well who, who, who like, like Sarah who? Connor and and uh, well, and that's, Ripley. that's Sarah Connor. <laughs> really, those that's those are action movies, and their motivations aren't aren't as deep and seated in behavior like your movie is. Mm-hmm. I mean, your movie is really personal, and and it does come from like a real human place that you know, like you can. It's it's not as hard to tell stories where. It could be either a woman or a man pretty easily where you could just like, you know, swap genders, change their name. Like Ripley could easily be a man. You wouldn't have to change anything. Right, right. right. And same thing with Sarah Connor. The, their motivations aren't based off of sex or, or gender, whereas I think in your script, it really has to be based off of gender. Well, I and, would argue... And, how, and what they go after. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would argue for aliens that, you know, if if Ripley was a man, a lot of the new Ripley relationship really wouldn't work the same. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I get your point. But, I mean, I also just feel like... I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily think that just because... Like, like if a woman's doing bad things, like that's just sort of a, a culture society idea that like, oh, you're writing women like and you're portraying women in a negative light. It's like, well, women can be villains too. like just be just because a woman's a villain doesn't mean that I'm like making a huge statement about all women, you know, uh, especially since there there is a very strong positive woman character in the movie. You know, I guess that's sort of like what balances it out. But 
I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying I'm doing it for sure. I'll probably try it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But, you know, it's definitely something worth considering. I mean, not just because I've been thinking about it since the beginning, but because I've been getting that feedback from other people too, you know? Yeah. Well, it's interesting to even think about this in relation to any project that you're working on is like, can I change this character to a minority or can I change this character to a woman and does it change things? And I think if the answer is it doesn't change things, then it's good to go out of your way to try to cast somebody that doesn't normally get, get the limelight. But in your case, I feel like why make a big change now? Like you're almost done with your script and now you're going to go back and do a whole rewrite to change the character. I feel like it is a big enough change that you do have to rewrite the whole script. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like, why are you putting more work on yourself? You're you're pretty much done. Yeah, I don't know because I want to make the best thing like possible. You know, but I guess the question you should ask yourself is. Does changing the main character to a woman really make this a better script? Right. Not just, can I do it? I'm sure you can do it. I'm sure you can figure out a way to do it. But does it make it any better? Does it make it more interesting? Yeah. In my head, it doesn't make it any better. I think it's an interesting exercise, but it's not a better movie as a result. Right. I think what either way what needs to happen is that uh, my female characters need to, to be better in general like because right now they're they're not really strong you know right. so last week you said you needed to work on making uh the wife and the alternate more three-dimensional yeah exactly so i mean i have to do that anyway so i mean i guess it's just you know do you do it in a bigger huge way or do you focus on the problem at hand first and i guess maybe it's better to like back pocket that idea of switching genders and just work on fixing what you already have you know and then if it's like if that still doesn't work for me or if i'm like just thinking about it in that new way with the you know with chris being the lead character uh then i can go back and rewrite it but yeah you're right maybe i should you know not abandon the the problem I've been wanting to solve just because I feel like oh here's an easier way to solve it you know I think I should just solve it <laughs> the way I wanted to originally and then if it doesn't work then I can try this other thing too yeah yeah I don't know I mean it's just it was just something that I've been I haven't like yeah I just been thinking about it and I don't know I think it's an interesting concept but yeah not not necessarily yeah, well just be careful to to not like keep reworking the screenplay forever and ever and ever and then you never get to shoot it right I felt like like hearing this makes me cringe because I'm like dude you're you're so close to having a great finished screenplay and now you're gonna like go back into the writing phase you should be shooting this not writing it yeah do you have two hundred thousand dollars timothy yeah i do you want yeah that? i would love it please right, i'll open up the bank vault i'll be at your house with a suitcase this afternoon all right i'm quitting all my other jobs i'm just gonna work <laughs> on this movie <laughs> yeah no fair good good point i think i appreciate that advice because but follow your heart yeah follow your heart i think that that was that's an awesome thing to think about though and i noticed that in your films you really do push to try to put different characters into them and i feel like for the most part in both brother and the rage and the other film that you showed me like those characters could be almost anybody you could like put any face in there and it, that that character would kind of work it's not it's not necessarily that they're written for a distinct person right and that's I, the point you know, exactly it's like i i write it i write like try to write in a way where it's like just anybody it's just a human it's just a person yeah, it, and then you can cast whoever you want in it you know it's like yeah exactly like, no one it's not like jake is gonna is has to be a white person or chris has to be a white person or or anything. It's like they can be anybody. They could be, you know, Korean or, you know, Mexican yeah. or whatever. It's, I feel like casting, just casting whoever you want is like a luxury that we have as independent filmmakers. And I think, I think it's our duty to, to spice things up because Hollywood absolutely can't for various reasons. Yeah, you know? totally. And here's a story about that because I, I had the same thought going into the spirit machine, whereas I was telling the casting directors, like, open the ethnicity up i mean let's let's get um a black father and daughter in there or an asian father and daughter and you know why we didn't do it is because she said as soon as you do that you're gonna have a hard time mixing and matching because it's a family and it's a father and a daughter 
that if you like uh, a black father and then you like this white daughter, you can't pair them together. So she says, I'd recommend just focusing on one race so that way you can pick and choose between all the characters. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Damn it. My Because uh, I really wanted to open it up and I wanted to f- and, and find some like really diverse faces. My wife's always like, basically says, fuck that idea because she, she just basically says it could they could be adopted they the the yeah, mother could be true. different you know like they, they they could be a mixed you know whatever it's just like there's lots of answers for that you know and so like we had this conversation about fantastic four and i was like well mm-hmm. they got michael b jordan in, in there that's awesome but why didn't they make her his uh sister also um black like why did it have to be a white person for a sister who did they cast for a sister um uh, mara zoe the the woman from uh oh the house of cards um what's her name uh, uh zoe mara zoe yeah mara yeah mari, mari yeah 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 so it's just sort of rooney mara's sister right, right there you go and i was just like <laughs> what i don't know it just seemed weird that they did that because it's like you know, and, and and Beth was like, "Well, that, it doesn't have to be. She could be. It could be whatever." There's lots of explanations, but I just felt like they could have gone bolder and just, you know, yeah, whatever. But I mean, yeah, I think I'm 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 trying to put away like a lot of those ideas, you know, and like just not even worry about them too much. Because especially with like like Crimson Peak, did you see this movie? No. Um, so it's like a 1800s set uh, horror gothic movie. And yeah. all the characters are white. And I just mm-hmm. kind of felt like, okay, well, there, I guess one argument would be like, there wouldn't be any non-white people in that situation because of mm-hmm. where they are in the, in the time period. But I kind of feel like you're, you're doing a fantasy horror movie anyways, the ghost story. You can rewrite history. Like you don't need to just cast white just because that's what it actually was. It's not like it's a biopic, you know, you can do right. whatever you want, you know? So I, I kind of feel like I'd, I'd like to see more of that in movies in general, you know? Just mix it up, you know? Who cares? It's happening. I mean, look at the new Star Wars. That's true. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's happening. It's happening slowly. It's slow because what happens is that you have a bunch of people that then question the decision. So, like, let's say in the Crimson Peak example, I know that there's a, a huge culture of people that would just be like, oh, well, that's not realistic. I don't buy that. Even though it's a fantasy movie or a supernatural horror film, people still want like almost this like kind of realism. And until it becomes just normal and natural, people are, it's gonna there's gonna be a little resistance to it always. Right, that makes sense. Like my brother was telling me, um, the reason he didn't like Star Wars was, for instance, the the scene where they're trying to escape in in the Tie Fighter and uh, it's being hit with a bunch of laser fire and it didn't explode. He's like, I played enough of those games to know that uh, it would have it would have exploded. That there's no way that the shields could have held up that long. It's like you were thinking about that in that scene. He's like, yeah, and that's the problem. I shouldn't be thinking about that. It's like, yeah, you shouldn't be even be thinking about that. Period. Well, that's just a dumb, dumb comment. It's like, funny that he's thinking, not a real that world. he's thinking about that in 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 reference <laughs> to a video game that he played that is even <laughs> right. less real than the right, movie, the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's funny. I just think that my brother is like one of the the fans that wants everything to be like super real. Yeah. Like he, he, if there's any hint of, um, ultra reality in a movie, he, he loses it. He he has like problems with it. Can't think of any other examples, but that example like really stood out to me. I was like, that's a thought I never would have had. Like the physical reality of the star Wars universe. I would never even think about right. But, can can a, a a tie fighter stand up to laser fire? Yeah, blaster fire. I don't know. Yeah, I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it didn't blow up. That's what's important. <laughs> Apparently, it matters to some people. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, what about you? What you got going on this week, Timothy? I know that we're already kind of over our time limit. Yeah, we we have to jump into the the topic of the week. Um, I guess the big news, and I can I can do this at the end, is just that my Cheetos project, the first part of my um, commercial project, is coming out a day after this podcast goes live. So I'll give a little shout out at the end of it. But that's kind of what I've been working on over the last week, and and also uh, figuring out Spirit Machine. So I'll I did talk to my guy in India, and he thinks he can get some of the data. So I think I have a good plan. 
and maybe I'll, I'll update you guys next week and let you know how that's going. Awesome. Sweet. So let's jump into the topic. Let's do it. This, Yeah, you wrote this down, so why don't you set it up and then I'll jump in. Yeah, okay. So uh, this topic of the week is what is the price of pursuing a career in narr- narrative film? And then I wrote, like, you know, what does it mean to balance a, your a life in filmmaking? Like, what are the things that you need in life and how to get those while making movies? And, like, what really comes down to being the most important? So, I mean, basically, the, the question is, like, if money isn't your main goal in life, if making movies is, like, what mm-hmm. do you absolutely need to, to do in order to survive? Like, and then, like, what balance does it have to be, you know? And, and I mean, I feel like every, this is question is answered differently by everybody but i kind of feel like i don't know like you you need to i think you need to have a little bit of everything right in order for it to actually work out (laughs) you need money but just enough to survive you need to be be able to make films but just enough to get the creative juices satisfied like is that what you're talking about yeah basically i mean i kind of feel like the the ultimate goal is just to to make money by making the narrative movies, you know? And so you don't have to do other things, even if that m- amount of money is low, it's like, that's, that's a better existence than if you were to, you know, be like, yeah, like working full time at a production company and then like squeezing in your short films or your movie making on the side, you know? Right. That's the ideal, but is that the reality for most filmmakers? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Right. I mean, like not really the reality for either of us, although I'm doing pretty good at, at spending a lot of time on the narrative stuff. And this year is actually going to be probably the best year. Cause I, I've got two features I'm working on that I'm going to get paid for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, small amounts of course, but enough to like, you know, pay the bills, you know? Um, yeah. And does that count even if you're not at the helm of a feature film, just working on a feature film as a production, what what are you doing? You're producing one, and then you're the script supervisor in another. Does that count towards working in narrative film? Well, I uh, I think yes and or is no. Is that the day job? I mean, I think it becomes the day job, but I think the fact that I'm working on a narrative movie does still satisfy that itch to some extent, you know. Um, and I wouldn't want to only do those things, you know. But hopefully, I can use that experience to to get my own movie made you know my own movie done in 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 some way one way or or another you know um but yeah i don't know i mean what what does this mean to you like what do you think about when you think about balancing a life in film i think more about the question itself like what is the price of pursuing a career in film and the price is different for everyone um of course, when you hear price, you think money right away. But I think that there's a cost to pursuing it on a personal level that goes beyond money. And a big, big one of that is time. Yeah. You know, it's like you're going to be devoting a lot of time. And then what does that time take away from? So I think it's a constant. For me, the balance is more about am I being to be a good filmmaker? What am I sacrifice being to other people? Does that mean that I'm sacrificed being a good friend or being a good family member? Right. Right. You know, or being, or even just like being outside. I feel like sometimes I just sit inside all day because I'm working on film stuff. Right. Right. So to me, the balance is more just like, you know, um, what is it costing me as a person? Like if I didn't have this filmmaking side of me, what, what would I be doing with all my free time? And how would that change me? Yeah, I know that's a, that's a really good question to ask. Like I was thinking about this the other day in terms of like winning the lottery since the lottery was like a big deal a few weeks ago or whatever with a, such a high number. Powerball. Powerball, yeah. But uh, so I basically thought like, what if I won Powerball? Like, how would my life change? And it basically wouldn't change for the next like, you know, three months. Like that would basically be almost exactly the same. You know, maybe there's like one or two jobs I wouldn't do, but, you know, I would do the script supervising thing and I would produce the feature, you know? So it's like, you think about it in that term and it's like, wait, so 
money isn't really my driving force in my career at the moment, you know, it's so money doesn't necessarily change all that much. I mean, yeah, obviously if I won Powerball uh, after those two movies, I would just make my movie, you know, but, uh, (laughs) but I think I would just be making movies. Like, I don't think if I, if I had won the Powerball, I wouldn't like just go away to a Caribbean Island and do nothing. Like I would, you know, like I would probably take more time off, but I would also, I would be doing pretty close to what I'm doing now. I think just a lot easier because I wouldn't have any financial burdens, you know. So it sounds like your question is more like what what's the motivating factor in you pursuing a career in narrative film, and that's an interesting question. It's like, all right, I have these projects lined up. If I won the lottery, would I just stop working on those projects, or would I keep doing them? And the fact that you would keep doing them says that you just you like to be a part of movies whether or not you're directing them or not right exactly and i i mean i feel like i have a lot to learn about the whole process and what's better but what's a better way to learn than to working on you know than working on them Mm -hmm. you know well here's another thought experiment let's say that the the two feature films that you're lined up to do right now were actually just corporate video projects one of them's for hp and the other's for cisco and they're like long-term projects you have to uh, travel the world and do a bunch of like sit down interview styles and you win the lottery. Would you still go do those? Would I be directing or would I be shooting them only? You're a cameraman. Mm, I would probably not do them. Okay. So there you yeah, go. Just because that's not, that's not really what I want to be. Because you feel like it's not helping you grow. Yeah, not really. I mean, it would be fun, but um, I just kind of, it would probably pay a lot, but yeah, but that's not the point. <laughs> You know, and, and like, yeah, if I could direct um, a series of commercials for HP or, or, you know, some other big companies, that would be worth it probably. And I would probably do that. But if I'm not directing them and they're not, and if they are just sit down interview stuff and it's nothing more interesting, you know, then yeah, maybe that isn't the right thing for me, you know? I mean, yeah, that's all hypothetical, like theoretical, but you know, <laughs> you're, you're trying to backpedal a little bit so in case hp or cisco is listening they're like yeah oh, you could still oh, hire Howard me Purcell does it yeah <laughs> right. i mean i haven't won the lottery yet guys um yeah <laughs> what about but now they know that if they hire you and you do win the lottery you're bailing i would them. bail yeah that's too bad <laughs> um what about you i mean if you won the lottery what would you do? would you change your life completely or would you pretty much keep things the same ah uh, that is so tough I don't think I would be working my day job. Yeah. I think I would quit because I definitely feel like my day job is, gets in the way of all the filmmaking stuff I want to do. But also right now where I am at this like particular moment in life, my day job's not getting in the way of anything because I don't have anything. But there was a period last year where I, was, I, I really felt like, I needed more time to work on my filmmaking and my day job was getting in the way. And I think that at that time I had like over my dead body, I had a bunch of spirit machine stuff going on. I think I, I was like in the middle of a, a writing session on haunted toy house. Things are just like really stacked up. Um, yeah. But right at this very moment, it's not, but I still, I would still choose not to work. Yeah, and just use the money from the lottery than I would to keep working. Because I feel at this point I've been producing commercials for um, eight years. I've been at that agency for something like 13 years, coming up on 13 years. What more do I have to learn? At this point, it's, you know, it's just kind of rehashing a lot of the same lessons over and over again. Yeah, but you wouldn't have gotten your directing um, opportunities and commercials if you didn't work there, right? I mean, they're no, kind of tied together. Um, they're bundled together conjoined so if your goal is to direct more commercials it almost feels like you should stay there you know so you can utilize those connections right well if I had a bunch of money I wouldn't need to direct commercials anymore right I could just go make my feature right to the feature film yeah exactly that's true good point Um, (laughs) I would take 4 million of that I would go make Haunted Toy House and I'd win Sundance and I would become an international sensation overnight. Yeah. 
Easy peasy, right? <laughs> it's, it's as easy as that, guys. Yeah. That's all you got to do. If you have money, you will be a famous director. That's basically what we're trying to say. <laughs> um, well, have you ever thought about the things that you're giving up by pursuing film? Yeah. Things like, you know, relationships and the financial burden and yeah. your career and family and owning a house, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I definitely, if I wasn't making movies, I would definitely either be well on my way to owning a house or I would already own a house because I basically spent somewhere in the realm of, I don't know, $60,000 on, show, on film right. projects in the last three years. Um, it's a good way to think about it. Cause that's actually what I was thinking. Um, when I put together the spirit machine budget was like, this is pretty much a down payment on a house. Yeah. I mean, you know, or, or it was a wedding. Like, I mean, instead of going, having a big wedding, I, I made a movie, you know, and maybe it was maybe it's not $60,000 in three years. Maybe it's more like 40,000 or 50, but it's, it's a lot either right. way. Um, right. For most people in the rest of the country, besides the San Francisco Bay Area, it would be the down payment on a house. But yeah, I mean, I do think about that sometimes. Like, I don't see my friends very often. Um, you know, I definitely don't do do as many things as I used to do, you know, like going out and stuff like that. You know, I, I, I kind of feel like that's, that's not as important. I mean, I'd rather be doing what I'm doing. You know, like, I don't feel like, oh, God, like, I wish I wasn't making movies so I could hang out with my friends more. Because, I mean... What basically has ended up happening is that I just give my wife all my time. So like all the time that would go to like friends, different friends and social events and things like that, it just goes all to my wife, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is probably okay, you know, because that's the most important relationship to me anyways. So it's good that I spend all that energy on that. But yeah, I mean, it would be nice to see my friends more and it would be nice to, to go out to more events and things, but I just feel like that's not, um, it's just not what I can do right now because I need to focus on this filmmaking business, you know? I feel like to me, all, all these things that you sacrifice don't become choices. I never sat around going, Oh, I'm going to choose to, not hang out with my friends as much. I'm going to choose to like uh, spend a bunch of money and I'm going to, I'm going to choose and I'm not going to own a house right at this point. It's just all kind of just happens. Yeah, pretty much. I think it just kind of, you know, it shows, it shows you how serious you are about it. Like that you're willing to just, it's not like you just put a chunk of money on the table three years ago and said, I'm going to spend this all on movies. It just happens a little bit at a time. Yeah. And you're like, well, I got to spend money. All right. I, I, I'm passionate enough about it that I feel like spending this money is worth it. Or I'm passionate enough about it that I'm not going to go hang out with my friends on Friday, even though I know they're going to go have fun because I need to do this. Like, you don't, you just kind of do it. Yeah. I don't, cause I don't, I don't sit around lamenting all these sacrifices I've made. They're just part of my life and they're just necessary to what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. And it's basically for me, it's like if life happens, then life will win, I guess, if that that makes sense. Like if my wife was to get pregnant, you know, um, then I would drop the filmmaking (laughs) and get a good job so I could support my family, you know, like that's sort of what I would focus on. But that hasn't happened yet, which is great. And we don't really want that to happen uh, for a few years. So it's sort of like, oh, we, I've got some time to to really exercise this film muscle, this film gene that I have and see where that goes, you know. Um, and then I kind of feel like later in life, like I'll probably still always make movies no matter what happens. It's just at what rate will I be making movies and how will I be making movies uh, later on, you know. And I mean, it would be so great if before I start a family, if I could solidify solidify myself as a narrative filmmaker and have that be my, my full-time job, like that'd be so awesome. I mean, that's going to be so hard to do. And I mean, even if I did everything right, it still might not work out or probably won't work out, you know? So it's sort of like shooting the moon. I think, you know, it's like, I'm really going for the gold that a lot of people don't reach, (laughs) but I feel like, I should go for it and and see if I can achieve that. And then if I can, wonderful. If I can't, uh, I'll figure I'll figure something out. You know. I think you have to keep reminding yourself that it is a dream that most people don't achieve. Right. I think you need to keep reminding yourself of those numbers. It's really easy to get caught up in the like it's going to happen. It's going to happen because I believe so hard and and I'm putting so much hard work and energy into it. 
Like, no, there's no guarantee. And I think if you justify the sacrifices you make by saying, well, it's all going to pay off, I think it's good to keep you motivated, but there's no guarantee that it's going to pay off. And it doesn't pay off for a lot of people. So I think the danger is that you can sacrifice too much and then it'll put you in a really tough place. I mean, you hear stories all the time of people that have maxed out their credit cards and put their house on a second mortgage and right. just, you know, to fund their film. Yeah, absolutely. You don't hear the stories of the people that didn't succeed yeah, <laughs> doing that. Yeah, you just hear the... You only hear the, the success stories. So it'd be great to talk to people that, that tried that and it didn't succeed and what happened to their life after that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of just feel like, yeah, being realistic is really important. You know, like if if, you, if we either of us ran around thinking that, oh yeah, we're going to direct our first fe- feature film, it's going to get into Sundance and we're going to, um, you know, be nominated for an Academy Award for our first feature, I think, uh, you know, we'd basically be insane people, you know, like we would be like literally like crazy. Um, but I feel like, you know, just because you know that's not going to really that's like not likely to happen or or like is like a one in a million chance of something like that happening of of even getting into any of the big film festivals you know like (laughs) it's i would say it's probably equally one in a million to get into south by southwest or or toronto international film festival or or any number of these big film festivals so i sort of feel like you need to just do it because you love you love the process and you love the story that you're making and then you know if it if it's successful then fantastic and if it's not then you just need to be like well i'm really proud of what i did and now i got to figure out what what the next step is for me you know um and and yeah i mean i've heard from a lot of people i talked to this guy the other day who was an extra in, in the rage and he was a filmmaker or he still is a filmmaker but like he him and his buddy basically did what you said they like went all in they they put all their money together they made a feature uh, it didn't do so well. Um, but basically now, like 10 years later, they look back at it and they're like, our only mistake was not making the next movie. Like if we had just kept on going and kept on living that lifestyle and pushing it and making the sacrifices in order to make our movies, we would have eventually gotten, you know, reached where we needed to go, you know, but, but stopping basically, you know, you got nothing really. Cause like, unless that one movie does extremely well and I think it did fairly okay, but it didn't do well enough to skyrocket them. But I mean, they probably, it probably did well enough to make getting their next movie made easier, but they just decided like, no, we're done. We're, we're going to move on with our lives. You know? Yeah. I think that's kind of an interesting or that's kind of an important way to, to look at filmmaking is that it's not, it's got to be a sustainable venture. You got to look at it in the long term that it's not going to be you're you're probably not going to be the guy who makes a film and then that's that's the success and, and it launches you. I I don't think there's many people that that's happened to. Right. Even though that's like the the fantasy that we all hold on to that it is like if you go all in on that film and you have nothing left and you can't make another one that's it. Career over. So it's it's and I think being smart about it and thinking about not just this film, but the next film is, is the way to go. And that you have to think about building a portfolio of work and the more work that you do, I think the more valuable you're going to be to anybody, to producers, to agents, you know, production companies, everyone, everyone wants somebody that has experience and longevity, not just, the person that had like if you're going to be considered for a feature film directing job and you have one film or you have five films like who do you think is going to get the job i think it depends on how many and on the quality of those five films versus the quality of the one let's film. say that one film that, that they all perform the same they all have 60 percent rotten tomato scores one film with sixty percent, or five films with sixty percent. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the five film obviously would win in that in that case. But I mean, if it was five twenty percent films and one sixty <laughs> percent film, I think I'd rather have the one sixty percent film, right? Because maybe I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'm in terms of who's giving money and who's hiring people for stuff. There might be people out there that see those five 20% films and go, well, they've done five films. 
They know how to make a film. This other guy might have just gotten lucky. Yeah, but they know how to make a bad movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I think what probably the real answer to this question is if those five movies like all got twenty percent, all made money, then that would be that's true. That would be the only thing they care about, right? You know. And if that one that's film true. didn't the, make the money, money aspect is probably more important. Yeah, then it doesn't matter. But I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I'd rather have, I don't know. I still feel like the one successful good movie versus five uh, unsuccessful bad movies. I'd rather have the one successful good movie, you know? But, oh, so then now you're advocating for people to go all in on one film. Well, but but not. But I'm saying you got to go all in on one film, but then you don't stop. Just because you went all in on one film doesn't mean you stop making films. You just figure out how to make but the next But if you go movie. all in and you have no resources left, then maybe you can't make another film. Well, but you should be able to use the film that you just made as the resource to gain funds to make the next movie, you know, in theory. Like, that's how it should Yeah, but work. I think the the problem is, is if you're doing, let's say it's the $200,000 alternate that you're working on and you raise all the money yourself and you make that film, that doesn't mean you know how to raise money for another film beyond what you've already experienced. So if you've already tapped out the resources to make the alternate, the alternate doesn't necessarily open doors to new fundraising avenues. It just it could mean that you're back at this in the same place and you just have a feature film now. So I think that's, that's what I'm saying. Oh. It's like if you've tapped out all your resources and you have this feature film and it's not good enough to open new doors, then how do you raise money again? Yeah. Well, you obviously can't keep on going back to the same friends and family that you raised the first 200,000 from. Like you have to go to investors of some kind. I mean, I feel like that's why the movie has to be good because if the movie's good, then you can take mm -hmm. it to um, yeah various places to either get it seen or to potentially uh, get in contact with producers and people who want to you know make the next movie. And if they love your first movie, then they're gonna definitely want to you know do business with you, right? I mean, I don't know. I think that that mindset is sort of. I think is what you have to have. I think, I mean, I don't know. Cause if you go into it, like hedging your bets and saying like, Oh, I'm not going to put all my resources into this first movie. Um, because I don't think it's good enough Then I'm going to, then I'll save some of my other resources for my next movie. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like you're setting yourself up for failure because your, your movie, if you're already thinking like that, your movie can only be so good. And I feel cool. like, you you should be just thinking like yes this is going to be the best thing in the world I'm really passionate about this this everyone's going to love this this is great like I'm I love this movie I got to do it and like just make that one movie as best as possible and then that's yeah, all that I matters. I guess my what I'm trying to say is that you can't you can't destroy your entire life over one movie and then you say. Well, you've lost your house, you've lost your job, you lost your wife, you have nothing in your savings, you're a homeless guy. Don't give up. Go make another movie. Right. Like you can't. So well, like that's what I'm saying. You have to be yeah. you have to be responsible and you have to think about it sustainably. It's like if you put everything into that one movie, all you all of your resources and if it doesn't succeed, you're homeless, you can't make another movie. So be smart enough that you're putting enough in that you can still survive and do it again, which I, I think you're doing with the alternate. But I think you have to realize that those the resources that you use to make the alternate, you're not going to be able to use again to make your next film necessarily, unless you make money off of it. You're right. Like you can't burn every bridge. Like you can't just, you know, like not, have a, a wife anymore when you're done making a movie you're not have a house like you do have to be thinking <laughs> like you know about some basic things that you need i think so i think you do yeah i don't know i'm maybe this could be my downfall guys this this could be the reason that i never succeed is i maybe i'm playing it too safe but i i believe in the idea of making small bets and like if those those bets pay off then you can make the big leap into it it's like you don't just jump right in and you put put all your chips on the table. First, you know, make a few bets. See how good the other players at the table are. See if you're if you're better than all the players at the table, then yeah, put all your chips in. You have to make something just so spectacularly great and the chances of doing that is really slim. 1 in a million. Are you willing to put all your money on the line for one in a million? Right. When I think like after you've made those small bets, we'll just look, call those short films. 
and you feel like, <laughs> you know, like you're getting what you want from them, like, you know, creatively and that like people are watching them and enjoying them, you know, uh-huh. then I think, then I think, yeah, if, then I think it is time to put all the, the chips on the table and just go out and make a movie. Some people do that without even doing the shorts. They just put all their chips on the table and go out and make a movie. And I feel yeah. like it works out sometimes, but other times it doesn't, you know. I would not recommend anybody do that. That's like, <laughs> that's all I'm saying is I'm just recommend. I'm not saying that people don't do it. I'm just saying I don't recommend oh, anyone right. do that. Yeah. And I would and I would say even if you can figure out a way to make a feature film and you're not sure that you're better than all the players at the table, go make it if you're if it's still a small bet. It doesn't have to be a short film to be a small bet. It could be a feature film and be a small bet. But I think yeah. you just got to get good enough to where the big bet is not necessarily a for sure thing, but something that's just, you know, worth making the gamble on. I, I don't think you should play play with your entire life as like betting on your career because it's just so hard to make a movie and and even harder to make a good movie that it's just too dangerous to, to cash in everything. Yeah. That's my that's my personal opinion. Again, I could be playing it too safe. Right. I think you need to you need to make a calculated bet, you know? Um Yeah. But I do feel like the big risk takers are the ones who are successful and you're right, there probably are um thousands and thousands of big risk takers who haven't who've been failures, you know. But I, I, I think that, you know, filmmaking does take taking risks at some times, at certain times, you know? So wrap this up back into our topic because I, I feel like we've now gone off and we're no longer talking about the price of well, pursuing in a career. I think it's more interesting though. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, let's wrap it up in final, final thought time or whatever. So basically, you know, I feel like, yes, like I think you can all ha- have all the normal things in life and make movies. It's just to what degree do you have those things and to what degree are you making movies? And I feel like as long as you're protecting the things that are most important to you, um, I feel like you can take those big risks on the move on the filmmaking from time to time, you know, as long as you do have your life to go back to afterwards, you know, or at least some version of it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like it, it's a, it's a tricky thing, but I think just like understanding what's important to you and what you want out of life, I think that's a really good place to start because I think about that all the time. Like, what's important to me? Like, if I could do anything, what would I do? And I think it, the answer's always been like, yeah, make movies, you know? Um, so that's what, that's why it's so important to me to like try to make this work any way I can because that's all I, that's all I really want to do is just tell stories, uh, through the visual median, medium of, uh, of, uh, filmmaking. Mm hmm. What about you? Something that popped into my head was I, I feel like it's easy to think that you know what you want from life, but you don't actually know until you've tried it. <laughs> True. Um, because I like I fought so hard against being an agency producer and it's not I'm not saying that it's like the end all be all and like this is exactly what I need to be doing, but had I not taken that job and I was still just kind of doing a nine to five thing, I would not be the filmmaker I am today. So I did it just to see if I would like it or not. And I've been doing it now for a while. So sometimes I think you, even if it's something you're not sure that you want or you're scared of it, that, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't go after it. And I think that um, sometimes the price you pay is just, you know, time. I think time is probably the biggest price in, in pursuing a career in narrative film or any, any careers, just you have to kind of give up some time to see and play things out. So, yeah, yeah. I would just be prepared to give up time. Yeah. Or figure out what you are willing to give up and then give up that thing. But yeah, time, time is always what you're going to have to, to, cause like, you know, the more time you put into planning a, a, a film or writing a film, you know, it's probably the better it's going to be most likely. So yeah, you have to have that that time input is huge. Yeah, because I feel like I'm working two full time jobs right now. There's like my regular paying full time job, and then outside of work is my other full time job, which is all the stuff that I don't get paid to do. But I wouldn't change that because I love doing it. So it's just, it's not like it's a conscious decision I made. It's just something that I'm doing, and I feel like sometimes uh, people that are that feel like they have to make a conscious decision about it. It's probably just not right for them. If you're, if you have to like really struggle to like, 
motivate yourself to go and do stuff, then maybe it's just not what you really want to do. Maybe you don't really want to do filmmaking. Yeah. I think you just, you do whatever it takes to make it happen. And you give up going out with your friends. You um, give up um, some of the financial, I guess you give up some of your savings. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Um, you give up some of the kind of standard things that people spend their money on, like like buying a house. So, and uh, and I don't think those are things that you just you decide. You just kind of do it because it it's the thing that needs to be done in order for you to keep going. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, that sounds perfect. Uh, do you have anything to share this week? I know that you're gonna have uh, the Cheetos commercial tomorrow. So, will you just yeah. add that link when it's available? Exactly. So we've been working on this since the like middle of December. This is the first commercial of a series of six of them. Um, we created some CG candy animal characters and they're pleading for their life. Like, don't eat us. Eat Sweetos instead. <laughs> so the first one goes live tomorrow on Tuesday and I will um, send out a link. I'll put it up on the show notes. You can follow me on Twitter at Timothy Plain. You'll see it there. Um, yeah, it'll be all over the place. Yeah. And let me know what you think. Yeah, I, uh, I've i seen it. Uh, you know, I don't know if I was allowed to say that, but... Uh, it doesn't matter because today, when this comes out today, it'll be out tomorrow. Yeah, but it's it's uh, it's awesome. I'm really, I'm really impressed. And uh, I think, well, you know, Timothy basically went out and did exactly what he wanted to do. And he has, you know, a commercial that is going to fit into his reel perfectly and like really help him get to where he wants to go as a you know a filmmaker who wants to be like you know merging performance with a vfx because it's that's exactly what it is <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah it's like it's awesome that i saw the script and was able to make something out of it yeah and everyone's benefiting as a result of it yeah so that's great i have questions about it but we'll save it for another time um yeah we can do that next week. yeah absolutely what about you yeah i don't really have anything to share of my own um i've just been playing this video game called the witness uh every night and it's uh it's really fun it's very frustrating it's a puzzle game and it's really an ambiguous puzzle game like they have all these puzzles that you have to figure out but they really give you very loose hints and you have to like discover the hints of for the puzzles in the environment around you and it can be really really tricky and it's a lot of like taking pictures of the screen going back to the puzzle and then like you know <laughs> trying to sketch like the the scenery in the background into the puzzle and like where you how you figure out what that is it's like basically up to you it's really tricky but it's really a lot of fun but basically my wife and i are just like screaming at the screen half the time like you fucked me game you fucked us good fuck you know is it a playstation game? yeah it's playstation 4 pc and mac is it like uh one of the downloadable like independent yeah games? yeah it's, it's a little expensive for those it's 40 bucks but yeah you can find it on the playstation oh, wow. store um but it got like really really high reviews on all the uh, video game sites so that's kind of why we got it but uh yeah it's it's a lot of fun i mean if you like puzzles you'll you'll pretty much love it and i yeah. think like if you're if cool. you're really a puzzle person, then you probably will get less frustrated than we do because we're not really big puzzle people. Have you heard about this game? Um, it's an independent game about a guy losing his son to cancer. No, no. I think it's called like That Dragon Cancer might be what it's called. It just came out last month and I've been hearing a lot about it. Wow. And it it sounds pretty intense, but so I want to play it. It's, it's less of a game and more of a kind of like a an experience i guess it uses the mechanics of a game in a way to tell like a story and and get an emotional response huh. yeah it seems really cool. sounds a little too intense for me um <laughs> i'll play it and i'll let you yeah, know how it is. Yeah, let me know what you think of it absolutely I, I'm, I imagine I'm just going to be bawling my eyes out. <laughs> yeah, well, we played this game called Hard Rain a while ago, and I kind of felt oh, yeah. like that was sort of in that same wor right. world, and we hated it. We just thought it was so boring and slow. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you lost your kid. Okay, good job. Uh, uh, you got to chop off your finger now. Okay, yeah, do it. Something like just that. Just chop off your finger. Right, right. I don't think you even got that far. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I finished that game. Yeah. You liked it, though? Uh, I appreciated it for what it was, but I'm, I like games that are just more of like, um, what would you call that problem solving 
you know it's like that that game's almost kind of like a narrative story where you're just kind of you're not really making decisions that I, I don't remember making decisions that affected the outcome of the game i feel like you're more of just kind of like living in this world and having to press buttons to interact with it right. but it's all kind of like predetermined right 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 so i mean i want i like games that yeah you have to kind of like solve stuff and figure things out yeah so it didn't really challenge my mind in the way that i wanted it to. you'll probably really like the witness then because uh yeah, yeah it sounds awesome I'll challenge your mind big time <laughs> <laughs> maybe too much right right all right well should, should i take us take out Take us out man all right thanks everyone for listening help other people find us by leaving a review on itunes or stitcher and it really does make a difference because the more reviews we have up there the more people can find us so please do leave a review and we'll read it on the show and if you don't want us to read it on the show just send us an email at podcast at making movies is hard.com and say hey dudes i left you a review but i don't want you to read it i'm embarrassed and we won't we promise <laughs> We'll respect your wishes. Um, you can also email us and just let us know if you have some thoughts about the show or an episode idea or, um, yeah, you just want to spam us. So <laughs> check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where we have all of our show notes. You can listen to episodes. Um, there's links to things that we talked about. There's also forums that you can meet other filmmakers that we're hoping you guys uh, utilize and meet each other. Thanks, Ulrich, for another great episode. Yeah, thank you, Timothy. Yeah, that was a lot of, lot of fun. Good, good stuff. And we'll talk again next week. Yeah, all right. Bye, everybody. Bye.